So here's my question for you. Are you losing or learning how to win? Now, two weeks ago, I talked about this concept, how Ted Turner said when his Atlanta Braves weren't winning that he wasn't losing, he was learning how to win. But so many of you responded with your own stories of how you feel like you're failing right now. So let's take another look at what it means to fail. So stick around. I want to walk you through the five essentials required to come back from failure. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, yes, indeed. It's time for 48 Days to the Work and Life You Love. You know, more and more of that concept, that part is coming up. It's more than just work. It's the life you love. That's what we want to talk about. And we got some great things to cover today. Lots of your listener input, as always. Some things like this. Dan, I would like to hear more of your thoughts on failure. Somebody says, I've reached a point of giving up and it's painful, but eventually you must accept that losers are a fact of life. How can I stop wanting what I want? And then this one, I'll give you some context for this. Somebody says, Dan, this will be the last time I ever ask you for funding help. This I promise. I promise, but please, please help. Okay, our quotation comes from James Cameron, movie director, who said, set your goals ridiculously high and you will fail above everyone else's success. Now, we're going to talk about that. I'll give you some examples of how that can play out. Our resource for today is the Acres of Diamonds book. Now, this is one that I refer to frequently. It's that idea that sometimes your success is right under your nose. You just can't see it. You know, just recently, I engaged a coach to come in and help us look at our 48 Days business. Now, my daughter, Ashley, you know, works with there with me. She knows it inside and out. It's She's been here for ever since she graduated from college. You know, Sheila, our assistant, knows the business inside and out. Maybe we're too close. That's really what it amounted to. You know, sometimes we need somebody with a different perspective who's not involved in the weeds already to look in and say, wow, do you guys realize there's so many choices when you go to the 48 Days page? It's confusing. Oh, really? Well, we thought we were just offering a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, but it's like having a garage where you never take anything out. You just keep adding things in. Well, you know, that's what Acres of Diamonds is. Sometimes it can help you kind of recognize that maybe your opportunity is right close to you. You don't have to go across the country, around the world to go back and get another degree. It may be right there. So check it out, 48days.com slash acres, just 48days.com slash A-C-R-E-S free book. Go through that. Now, it's going to ask you for your email address there. And I realize a lot of you are already you know, getting our emails. You're already in our subscriber list. Don't worry about it. It, it, won't do, it won't double it up or anything. If you're already there, it just recognizes that, but it'll give you access to that, that resource. 48days.com slash acres. You know, a couple of interesting things here before I jump into 
What I want to talk about today, this idea of failing, losing, this seems to be uh, gaining momentum. I don't want to wear it out, but I want to address questions that you all have. When we talk about income levels, you would think that to really be wealthy, you know, you need, I mean, what do you need? A hundred thousand, 200,000, 250? Well, do you realize that according to the global rich list, an annual income of $32,000 would place you in the top 1% of earners in the United States. Now, not around the world, you know, where there are a lot of people living on $2 a day. In the United States, an annual income, household income of $32,000 still puts you in the top 1% of earners. Now, here's another kind of interesting corollary to that. There's some brand new things out. California just set some new income limits to define where people are. They've decided that single people earning less than $70,000 living in LA are now in the low income area. But now get this, three of the Bay Area counties now consider an income of $104,000 low income where there's help for you because you're such a low income. You're in poverty, only making $104,000 a year. I mean, it's, it's gotten kind of crazy out there. Well, you, wherever you are, you ought to feel probably grateful for where you are. And also just be aware that there are opportunities to probably increase your income if in fact that is a desire of yours. So here's some of the kind of questions that we want to peruse today. If I fail, do I have to start over? How do we set ourselves up for failure? I want to look at that. Do I have to pass through failure to get to success? Now, is there any difference in trying but failing and simply trying, simply failing to try? If you end up in the same place anyway, should you just you know, save yourself the misery of trying and just be content with mediocrity where you are? Isn't part of failing just being unlucky? You know, is if I set my goals too high, am I bound to fail? Should I just set lower goals? And then I want to cover with you what are the five essentials required to come back from failure. So here's just kind of some random thoughts on this to kind of set the stage. There's a movie, it actually came out back in 2007, Lions for Lambs. I really enjoy it. I, I think about it and think about this particular concept frequently. In this movie, a brilliant but a kind of an apathetic student asked his professor, Robert Redford played the professor, he asked the professor, is there any difference in trying but failing and simply failing to try if you end up in the same place anyway? Now, he was attempting to justify taking the safe route, never really taking a stand or trying anything big. So what do you think? I mean, do you, do you cringe at trying something because of the possibility of failure? I mean, what if you tried for a promotion but failed to get it or just applied for a new job and failed to get it? What if you started a business, but then you lost your investment or you tried some uh, direct marketing system, but now you don't have anything but a garage full of vitamins or shampoo or e essential oils? You know, are, are you better off? Or would your life have been better if you'd avoided the hassle and the disappointment? So, yeah, I mean, I'm hearing from people every day who tried and failed. 
And the one gentleman lost $11 million. It was family money. And he took over, lost $11 million. It was gas and oil business. Another another guy inherited from his grandmother $3.2 million and quickly went through that in a, a failed retail clothing business. A really close friend of mine lost $24 million in a failed real estate development. Now, fortunately, he's, uh, he had a few more million aside of that, but he lost $24 million in that. Now, research shows that if you're under 30 years old, there's a 90% chance you're going to be fired sometime in the next 20 years. That we see such volatility out there, that shouldn't be any surprise. Bernie Makis was fired from a job as manager of the Handy Dan Improvement Center. Well, if you recognize that name, he went on then to start Home Depot. He's done pretty well after getting fired. Um, you know my story, you know, a few years ago, had a, a big failure in business. I had to borrow a car to start driving, uh, just to start generating income again. I mean, it was a, a piece of junk old car, but a friend was kind enough to let me use it. And I started with that. Should I have avoided the pain and the anguish? By taking a safer route? Or was that experience the necessary catalyst for learning the principles that helped me with the success that I enjoy today? I mean, my theory is that you'll be a, a brighter or better person for trying something big, even if you fail. Here, here's a note from Eric who says, Dan, I'd like to hear more of your thoughts on failure. Since most of us who are trying to live a life with uh, no more Mondays are probably going to fail several times. Where does a success or what does a successful failure look like? How much should we risk in pursuit of our dreams? As you often say, we, we must not be paralyzed by our fear of failure, but I would doubt you would suggest that we risk our marriages, our health, our homes while seeking to reach our goals. What do you think is the right balance in this area? Boy, that's a great question. Wow. And, and I really do believe that there are successful failures in business. That's not an oxymoron. And Napoleon Hill once said, failure seems to be nature's plan for preparing us for great responsibilities. So part of the issue is, you know, do you want to do something great in any area? If you're content with mediocrity in your life, then you'll try to protect yourself from any failure. Just, just recognize the trade-off. But here's an important distinction. It's not just what you do in a job or your business that will identify you as a success or a failure. And on this, I really want you to understand is an important part of this whole concept. I hear from so many people who are failing in business. My question is, what's the rest of your life look like? See, not having date nights or saying I love you daily will put your marriage at risk of failure. In spending 80 hours a week at your job will put your emotional well-being at risk of failure. Eating Twinkies and Big Macs, not exercising, will put your health at risk of failure. I mean, if you finance a car, I see these ads, you know, finance your car for 72 months. I think, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. Finance a car for 72 months? Hey, that's probably going to put your financial health at risk of failure. Incidentally, those of you who know me well know that I have had a Corvette for a few years that I really dearly loved. I just sold it, just sold it on one of those, just uh, a new season, time to experiment with something else. Not sure what 
else is going to be coming. But it's nice having cars with, with no payment. It gives you a lot of freedom and flexibility. Um, spending less than an hour a day on spiritual and personal development is probably going to set you up for the risk of failure. Expecting a company to continue giving you a paycheck or give you a raise puts you at risk of failure. You know, there's there's a, a lot of ways that people set themselves up for failure. Um, the counterpart to this is if you're successful in all the areas mentioned above, then failure in a business venture is not that crippling. It's simply one area in which to readjust and start again. I mean, I've, I've heard that Richard Branson won't invest in any company unless the person running it has uh, failed at least twice. Now, and we don't look for that. Believe me, we don't want to bring it on ourselves. But as I look back, I see that some of the experiences where I failed big time opened my eyes. Again, not to make me cynical and never risk again, but to help me create a more, uh, more solid business structure moving forward. So here's what I recommend for risking to move toward a 48 days to the work and life you love option. Take responsibility for where you are, whether that's good or bad. Continue making deposits of success in the physical, spiritual, personal development, relationship areas of your life. Pursue work that engages your passions as well as your abilities. And weigh the financial requirements very carefully. I mean, I like having multiple streams of income. I like not having my money come from just one source, but coming up with different ways that I get income. It's, it's a nightmare for my bookkeeper at the end of the year, but that's okay. That's just a one-time thing to have to go through because there are those different sources that make it a little more challenging. Um, recognize that uh, temporary financial loss does not need to be the end of your business venture. It might just be a wake-up call helping you to readjust for bigger success in the future. I mean, make that adjustment and know that you're now closer. You know more. You've learned moving toward your ultimate success. So, Eric, I mean, recognize that many people risk failure in their marriages, their health, their homes, et cetera, while desperately trying to hang on to that job or business. I mean, just make sure that you're looking for success in multiple areas, and when you realize if you are struggling in an area, it's probably just one area where you can build on that, come back to more and more success. Well, it's just a quick reminder here. These are questions from you, the listeners. Honored to get those in. Love going through the mailbox to look at those questions that have come in. If you got a question or a resource you want to share, just uh, jump over to 48days.com slash askdan. Leave your question there. And of course, if you uh, if I use your question here, I'd be happy to send you a gift, autographed copy of 48 Days to the Working Life You Love or something else. If you're a repeat, probably get something else in there. All right. So here's a quick message from our sponsors. Then I'll be back with another story. So uh, a few months ago, I had a podcast listener who asked, how can I stop wanting what I want? I address that in terms of working toward what you want rather than trying to stop wanting. I mean, that, the, the question itself just kind of boggled my mind. How do I stop wanting what I want? I mean, I, I wanted, when I was a, a 16-year-old kid, I wanted a Corvette Stingray, big time. Well, I never stopped wanting that. Now, actually, by the time I was able to get a Corvette, 
and multiples of those. It, it wasn't as important to me. I still enjoyed it, but I never tried to talk myself out of wanting that. It just, I still have a hard time getting my head around that. But it elicited a rash of responses from people like this. This one, John says, Dan, I thought I was the only one asking this question. You said it's either painful or a very misguided question. This question of how can I stop wanting what I want? I can assure you it's a very painful question, but there's only so much failure a person can handle before he simply no longer seeks making one's dreams a reality. Persistent failure will bring the very deepest depression. Dreams must either become a reality or you must give them up. Personally, I've reached a point of giving up and it is painful, but eventually you must accept that losers are a fact of life. That's literal words from somebody. I've reached a point of giving up. It's painful, but eventually you must accept that losers are a fact of life. Wow. Well, you know, I've been dumbfounded recently by running into a couple of longtime acquaintances who are down on their luck. I mean, I've mentioned one guy in particular. I know I've mentioned him over the years because actually it's been 10 years that this one gentleman has uh, been down on his luck. And I knew him when he was extremely successful. He would put together major conferences and bring in, I mean, he introduced me to some of the big names, the Masters of Achievement, Tommy Hopkins, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, Wayne Dyer. I mean, those are people that he brought together. And I was able, with my connections with this gentleman, to go to those conferences. But um, he's been down on his luck, big time. So here, here's a message. I'm going to say just to you, I don't want to, um, golly, I don't want to certainly embarrass anybody. He won't be listening to this, believe me. But um, I, I don't mean to belittle anybody, but just to help me understand, again, this pattern. How do you get down and stay down? It's really caused me to, to do some research and digging to try to figure this out. So here's a message from back in... 2017. Dan, I know this is crazy, uh, but I had money stolen from me this week. I had $375 in van repair last week. Sucks. I'm in a tight squeeze right this minute, just needing your tiny help. Um, Buyer no-showed me on a $100 stereo I advertised. I just ran out of gas. Lucky to have coasted in a public parking lot, um, but I can't stay here. Got my gas jug ready. Just wondered, you know, if 100 bucks was possible via PayPal. Click here if so. Well, that was that was 2017. So again, that would that had been going on. And the first started back in 2013. I actually, uh, when I first met with this gentleman, um, he was he was homeless already at that point. Uh, but this is the first he'd reached out to me. His truck was going to be repossessed that day, and I knew he drove nice cars. He was, but his truck was going to be repossessed. He couldn't even pay to keep his cell phone on. So I met with him. We talked through the things that he needed to kind of get him current, and it wasn't any, a very small amount, and I bailed him out. I thought, man, I know this guy. You know, and my, my assumption has always been if somebody has been successful and then they go through a rough spot, they know how to do it. They know how to get back on their feet again. They're going to pop right back up. So I bailed him out. That was in 2013. Then the message that I 
Evie there in 2017. And believe me, there were a whole bunch of them in between. There were a whole bunch of them in between. So 2017, and then um, July 5th, 2020. Um, again, Dan, this is the last time I'm coming to you for financial help, Dan. And then March of this year, 2023. And again, I'm leaving out a whole bunch of details and kind of, but in March of this year, dear Dan, I'm miserable. My car needs $1,100 worth of new engine parts and labor. Um, as it, uh, oil is going out, it's got a part that's $600 plus for the last four winter months. Now this was in March for, for the last four winter months. I've had to sleep in my car with no back glass window to keep the cold out. He broke it trying to put his bicycle in there. Uh, plus, I'm eating out of a cooler, um, so on and so forth. I'm not going to go into the details. Would you please pay mail, PayPal me some dollars so I can stop sleeping in a car? Then in April, so and and, and did you know I'll, I I did. I mean, I, I helped him a whole lot of times here because I just couldn't get my head around the fact that this guy was staying down. So in April then of this year, I have no strength left. I need some help badly. Just immediate gas and food. Um, I've found and qualified for a Section 8 apartment, but I don't have the required $1,275 for initial deposit. I have until Wednesday for to find a $1,275 so I can move in this Friday. Please help. All right, that was in April. In June, Dan, please read my text next tech carefully into the end. I'm in physical pain and involved and tangled up in an evil and uncalled for dilemma, which is right now, today, a critical situation for me right here at 1030 a.m. I truly need your help one more time. This will be the last time I'll ever ask you for funding help. This I promise, I promise, but please, please help this last time. Please share all you can as I do have good news, but also a bad situation, need your help this last time. And he, and the same time I got that, again, this was just a few days ago, I got a PayPal invoice. I got an invoice from this guy for the money that he wanted. So I picked up the phone and called him. And I said, man, just help me understand how you have gotten yourself into this situation. You know, we're talking 10 years have gone by. Well, I'm not going to go into the details there. I've used him enough as a, as an example of what you don't want to do. And he very quickly informed me that he didn't need counseling. He just needed money. Said, oh, that's interesting. All this time that I've been giving him money and he's not willing to talk about it or take some suggestions for changing his life. Yeah, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. And, um, so I, I hung up because I, I had an appointment right on top of my conversation. I talked to him for 30 minutes, but had an appointment and I told him that I had to go. And then he was offended, sent me a nasty text because I hung up on him. I said, I keep my word with people. I keep my word. I had an appointment. I had to switch. And then I uh, blocked his phone number because this just... I've, I've run out of uh, run out of solutions for somebody who is so resistant to accepting any help other than just money. Well, as I said, you know, my assumption has always been that if someone has never gotten off the ground, you know, maybe they don't know how. But once somebody's up, they ought to be able to bounce back again quickly, even if there's been a big real estate swing or a bad business investment. You know, something caught them unprepared. 
But why would a guy like that get trapped in a down position and seem to stay there? Now, that has really sent me to research, ask, study, pray, seek, see if there's any common factors. I pulled, pulled another old book off the shelf. It was John Maxwell's book from back in 2007, Talent is Never Enough. John says a person's talent allows them to stand out, but their wrong choices make them sit down. Now, I was reminded, you know, how character, integrity, relationships, responsibility are the pillars that allow talent to shine. And without those, the shining talent is very vulnerable. Now, I grieve for friends who are down, and I'm harshly reminded myself of the importance of not leaning too strongly on talent in my own life, unless I'm making deposits of success in character, integrity, relationships, I could find myself, you know, sitting on the sidewalk holding a tin tin cup full of pencils, I suppose. But I've come to the conclusion that to come back from failure, a person must have these five things. Now, this is, again, this is just Dan Miller speaking here. You run it through your own discernment. You run it through your own experience. But I've decided a person has to have five things to come back from failure. Number one, loving relationships. Number two, uncompromising integrity. Three, clear purpose. Four, vibrant health. Five, optimistic faith. Now, these are not in order of importance. I suspect they're equal in importance. I'm going to give you those two again here as we wrap up. But... And again, please don't assume that I'm implying everyone who's down is lacking in character and integrity. Not at all. I mean, there's a lot of reasons for positions at at any given time. But I've just been researching to find ways to be more helpful as a friend. And looking at these things that are not directly connected to money, having money or lack thereof, there are other things that you can have in place. And if you do, the money seems to come back much more easily. So... You know, I, I hear from so many people who, who regret decisions they've made, you know, whether that is in choosing a career, buying a house they couldn't afford, or investing in stock that went down, investing in cryptocurrency, hearing from a lot of those right now. What should we do with our mistakes? Is there really another way to learn how to do the right things other than just failing? Well, you know, a lot of you want to be entrepreneurs. This is just kind of an aside, but Robert Kiyosaki, I just recently, recently reread Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Interesting story, incidentally. Uh, that little book has now sold 46 million copies, and it was rejected by all the publishers back in 1997, I think, when it was first written. It was rejected by publishers who said he didn't know what he was talking about. You know, nobody was going to buy into that those concepts he was talking about. Anyway... He talks in there about bad luck. He says, making mistakes and becoming smarter is the job of an entrepreneur. Not making mistakes is the job of an employee. So if you want to avoid making mistakes, one of the ways to do that is to make sure you've got a job, a traditional job. If you want to join the ranks of entrepreneurs who are doing other things, it's going to open up more to making mistakes. It's going to open you up more to the possibility of failure. But here's what some people have to say about making mistakes. This comes from Thomas Watson, who was founder and former CEO of IBM. Would you like to give 
would you like me to give you a formula for success? It's really quite simple. Double your rate of failure. You're, you are thinking of failure as the enemy of success, but it isn't at all. You can be discouraged by failure or you can learn from it. Go ahead and make mistakes. Make all you can. Because remember, that's where you will find success. That's interesting. You know, the secret of making mistakes isn't to avoid ever making one again. It's to recognize that making a mistake is not fatal. I mean, they can be your stepping stones on your path to success. So go ahead and fail. Again, our our quotation James Cameron was, set your goals ridiculously high and you will fail above everyone else's success. I love the thought there. I mean, if you you decide you're going to run three marathons this year and you fail by only running two, you've still accomplished more than 99% of the people in the world. I mean, what if you had a goal of writing two books this year, but you only complete one? Have you failed? Well, yeah, you've you've failed, again, above most of the population's success. I mean, what if you want to reduce your cholesterol by 50 points, but you only cut it down by 40? One time years ago, I was rated for life insurance, meaning that the premium was going to be higher. I said, what's up with that? And they said, well, it's your cholesterol. I said, geez, what's it have to be to change the premium? Well, they told me, and I said, oh, how long is this, quote, available? And they said it was like 90 days. I said, well, I'll get back to you. So I just researched, what do I need to do to lower my cholesterol? I lowered my cholesterol 81 points in 60 days. Went back, had another test taken. They were like, no, you know, people say they're going to do that. Nobody ever does. Well, I just figured out how to do that. Used a lot of, um, I don't know, I think it was like red bean paste or something. There were some weird things in there, and I just did it. And it, it reduced those premiums. It saved me like $25,000 over the term of the policy. Well, what if you wanted to compose a song a month, but you finished the year with only 10 great songs? I mean, what if you, what if you set as a goal to increase your income from that 104000 that makes you low income to 150, but you end up, you only hit 135? Well, have you failed? No, we wouldn't call that failure at all. Well, do you have a goal that's so ridiculously high that even if you only hit 50% of it, you'll still bypass everyone else? I mean, that's the model that I use. I try to set goals where I've got about a 50-50 chance of hitting them. That way, if I do hit it, it's a real big success. And if I don't, I may still increase by 40% what I was doing. Well, failure comes not in setting a goal and not hitting it. It is in not setting a goal at all and being stuck in sameness. George Bernard Shaw said, a life spent making mistakes is not only more honorable, but more useful than a life spent in doing nothing. All right, so to wrap it up here again, what are the five essentials required to come back from failure? And this is just my own personal research, my conclusion. And again, it doesn't have anything to do with the the stock market, the economy, politicians. No. What are the five essentials required to come back from failure? Number one, loving relationships. Now, the gentleman I referenced, or I got the multiple notes over a 10-year period, may, may, <laughs> may indicate I'm a slow learner. 
I'm not sure. But he violated all of these. Loving relationships, man, they were gone. He left a trail behind him of people who he took advantage of and hurt. Number two, uncompromising integrity. Yeah, he made a whole lot of compromises and things that he did. I know some of the things he did back when he was in business to hide income, cheat on taxes, not keep his word with people. Well, number three, clear purpose. All right. Number four, vibrant health. Nope. That's gone too. Number five, optimistic faith. That obviously isn't there. Again, so these are, um, without my commentary, number one, loving relationships. Number two, uncompromising integrity. Number three, clear purpose. Number four, vibrant health. Number five, optimistic faith. See, I want you to build your life around things that can't be taken from you. If your whole life and meaning comes from the work, the business, the career, the house, the cars, the boats that you have, if that's your identity, you're really vulnerable. But if you have loving relationships, uncompromising integrity, clear purpose, vibrant health, optimistic faith, wow, you have an insurance policy that money won't buy. You've got a foundation where I think you can come back from even what looks like a major disaster financially. Well, I hope this has been encouraging. Again, I didn't intend to extend this, but uh, the responses were, were so great that I wanted just to kind of go through one more time at least. This is going to be a recurring theme, but uh, just to have this kind of a focus, to go through this again one more time to talk about what was prompted in your responses by these last couple sessions where we got to taste your dream and you are not surviving, you're preparing, you're not losing, you're learning. I mean, I love those principles and how they can apply to keep us moving forward. Well, hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in your questions, for being open to growing and for being a powerful force for making the world a better place. Hey, share this episode. The best thing you can do is to help them out is to share it with three of your friends. Share it with somebody who really needs some encouragement that maybe they're overlooking those five foundational characteristics that they have in place. Maybe they're not recognizing the value and strength of those right now when they need to. You can remind them of that. Share this episode with them. They'll thank you for it. Become known for your positivity, for offering hope and encouragement to others. And if you give a, somebody a book or a podcast like this, something that you recommend that helps that person succeed, it'll elevate your credibility and your value in their eyes. Be that person and stay committed to your belief that we can, without a shadow of a doubt, find or create work and a life that are meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. <laughs>